Hello, it's your Aunt Pat. And uh, before today's episode, I want to remind you to vote. Hello, you ding dong. It's super important. The election is coming up so fast. It's going to be here before you even know it. It's like Christmas. It just creeps up. So do yourself a favor. Go to vote.org, V-O-T-E dot O-R-G. That's a website, of course. That's where everything, they keep everything at websites now. But go to vote.org, check your registration, register to vote by mail so you don't have to stand in line. Another line, can you even believe it? Go to vote.org, do all the good work, all the good work for your nieces and nephews and your aunts and your your funkles. And if you're wondering where Aunt Mags is, she's in there now. She's deeply ensconced in vote.org. Oh my God, I'm worried about her. I'm going to actually go check on her. So vote.org, make sure you register to vote. Vote like your life depends on it, you ding-dongs, because it does. Auntie Mags and Aunt Pat, two best friends who love to chat. Oh, what it's like to be an ant. Those who ant, those who ant. Hello, and welcome to Those Who Ant, a podcast to help you see the world through ant-colored glasses. My name is Aunt Pat. And I am Auntie Mags, and we are so excited to be here talking today. It's going to be a real fun show, but I have got to tell you something that is gigantic news. Oh my God, are you pregnant? No, wouldn't that be a miracle? It would be. It would be one, immaculate conception, but also two, if there's somehow like more of a miracle on top of that. Because I feel like right now, sex-wise, I'm at a place where even archangels won't touch me. Why would you say that? If people could get to you right now, they would touch you. I hope you're right. And you know, and I'm ansexual, so maybe it wouldn't even be a male archangel. So I don't even know. I don't even know. There's so many things going on with that. But the other night, I was watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? No, that's not what it's called. The one about the gruesome murders. Oh, Dateline. No, that's, well, that is about gruesome murders. No, 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 no. It's uh, it's the one about the... Autopsy files. <laughs> no, but I love Dr. Michael Baden. No, it's called uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, and it's about the Golden State Killer. Oh, I thought you were going to say men in general. Six of one. But I was watching this show. Okay, and they talk about this Golden State Killer. So I start looking up info about this guy. And you will not believe what I am about to tell you. Oh my God, is it Ron? I keep waiting for someone, the phone to ring, and for someone to be like, well, did you hear about Ron? Because I would be the last to know. And he was always gone in the dark. But that's because he was cheating on you. But you know what? I also wouldn't be surprised. No, it wasn't Ron. All right. I'm relieved. They caught the guy. So Ron is still at large, as far as we know. Okay, so I looked it up. The Golden State Killer was in the Navy, and he was on the USS Canberra, which was obviously a, a naval ship, with none other than my father. My father was on the USS Canberra, was the Golden State Killer. Oh, that's cool. That is so cool. Not in a bad way, but what if your dad a little bit was like, ugh, I'm having woman problems, and the Golden State Killer is like, yeah, what are we going to do about that? Not to say that your father started it, but it's like, um, isn't the story about Walt Disney that one time he met a mouse? That's got to be true somewhere. I don't know if it, they met firsthand, but they, I, I'm certain. Or Walt Disney was told about a very, um, oh, fun mouse. And he said, oh. And of course, we could look at this as a negative where we would say, oh, the Golden State Killer, he's bad. But what if your dad, you know, very few of us get to be like the nascent part of the story. Yeah, but what you're implying right now is that my dad 
told the joke that started the whole world raping. And I don't love that part of it. I wish that weren't the thing. What I like to imagine in my mind is that my dad saw this lonely bastard and was like, oh, I pity you. I'll be, sometimes I'll have a beer with you. And And let me commiserate with you about how much we don't like women or have been wronged. And I'm not, look, look, I absolutely, I bet your dad was like, oh, sometimes I have a problem with women. And this guy just took it way too far because your dad's like, oh, so I won't call them or I won't, you know, oh, I have these issues and they're small. And this guy's like, I'm going to run with this. My mother is going to kill you for what you're saying right now. People say stuff like that all the time, not really knowing that the killer within is is their friend in the Navy, you know. But I will say this. You know, my sister went through a bunch of letters that she found from my grandmother to my father and vice versa from when he was uh, in Vietnam and when he was on the ship and all that stuff. And at one point, my grandmother says, you tell some woman's name, I can't remember, that she and the baby are welcome here anytime. So my sister and I were like, do we have Australian half-siblings? Did my dad get somebody pregnant during the war? But we haven't looked into it. So two big scandals potentially that came out of my dad's time in the Navy. Maybe pregnant with ideas. And let me just say for the record, I do not think that your father inspired the Golden State Killer to go on a decades-long rampage in California. What might have happened is that inadvertently, your father's small problems with women may have been a point of discussion, and it's not his fault. <clears throat> yeah, all right. I, I see you trying to backpedal there. Rest assured, A, my father probably didn't have problems with women he probably had uh, maybe in the reverse he had too many he was very popular guy and that's what set him off the golden state killer this guy's got no problems with women and i've got all of them i'll I'll accept that i'll accept that you know all right let's let's go in that direction yeah 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 my dad was like fonzie he was very cool he smoked and this guy was ralph the mouth but violent i like that you put a the in there i like that you put ralph the mouth well, what was he? Just Ralph Mouth? Yeah, it was just Ralph Mouth. That would be like if you just started calling somebody the Potsy. It's not, you don't, it's, it was just Potsy and, and Mouth. Huh. You know what I never knew? How did they get away with calling a character Bona on Growing Pains? That guy's name was Bona. You ever think how that got through to standards and practices? Let, let a character be named Bona? Maybe they just meant it the other way. What's the other way? Boneheaded. Maybe we should ask our guest. Do you want to do you want to do the honors? Please welcome one of the finest examples of a person that we know, and that is true and that's a fact. The multi-talented and the wonderful Uncle Chester. Hey ladies, thanks for having me on the show. Chester, it is so good to have you. We are so excited that you're with us. I mean, of course, you know, I say this every week, but you are the best. You are the very best. If this were the Karate Kid, I would sing that song to you. You're the best around nothing's gonna ever bring you down i'm singing to you right now because it's true don't you wish you could have a montage like that in your regular life just to get things done a little bit faster you know i do especially today when i feel like i got a hundred things to check off my list how are you tell us what's going on and more importantly did you ever wonder how they got away with calling that one kid bona Oh, yeah. I always thought it was because he was boneheaded. That is legitimately wild because so rarely do I say something and someone says, that sounds right. Oh, I was uh, 32 before I knew that the other meaning, before I knew that it could be uh, an erection. Because it doesn't make any sense to me because there's no bones in an erection. Yeah, that is true. It's just blood in there. When kids would say, oh, I got a boner, you got a boner for her, he got a boner for him, all those things, I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. 
Did you make a mistake? Did you say something stupid? I don't get it. The kid's last name on the show, I believe, was Stabone, which is uh-huh. probably had something to do with They were like, oh, it's a nickname, but I still don't understand. So you were 32 when you learned what that meant, huh? Did somebody tell it to you directly, or is that something you figured out finally connected the dots? Uh, I think I uh, was in a conversation where it became obvious from the context clues that they were talking about an engorged penis. And then I was like, oh, I get it. And a lot of things are clicking into place for me. What was the context of that conversation? Where were you and who was involved? Uh, it was uh, out on the street and it was uh, a gentleman who was a stranger to me that said, hey, buddy, your boner's out. Was your penis out? Embarrassingly enough, it was. How did that happen? Can you walk us down that path? Um, if I knew what had happened, I would make sure that it never happened again. It was just a thing where it was, uh, do you remember the Super Bowl where there was a wardrobe malfunction? It was just that, just a wardrobe malfunction. But, well, yeah, I do remember that, but I have a conspiracy theory that it was, what's the word, to muzzle Janet Jackson. I think that was done on purpose oh. to put a muzzle on one of the greatest pop singers known to man, Janet Jackson. Do you mean like the Manchurian candidate? Like she was the Manchurian candidate and then they, she knew too much. So they made it so that she was discredited because of the nudity. Yeah, now I want you to know, this is the second time you have referenced the Manchurian candidate and I have not seen the film. So spell it out for me because I want to agree with you more than anything else in the world right now. So just explain it to me and I, and then I'll agree. Okay. Now keep in mind, I saw it on cable and I feel like it was edited for time and content. So what happens is there's a government and I think it's ours and they need a candidate and they go to Manchuria and that's where they find, but it's still a white Caucasian man that they find in Manchuria and they brainwash him into thinking he's a candidate and then they bring him to the states oh it's the states okay yeah it's our government and they tell him you're a candidate now but you can only remember the things that we told you in Manchuria and you're gonna do what we say and then he does it because he can't remember anything else and then he gets elected and they tell him all the things to do but somewhere in the back of his head he knows i don't know if he sees a postcard from manchuria or yeah that's it that's what i remember about it now i saw a movie similar to that but maybe i'm wrong you ever see the movie dave with kevin klein is this like that accidental identical strangers yeah is this that yeah I think I'm thinking of Dave because it's much much more likely that I saw a film called Dave than The Manchurian Candidate. I wonder why there was a white man just kind of hanging out in Asia. Why did they go there to find him? I don't. Is get- that where Manchuria is? That's in Asia. I think it's like Northeast Asia. We always go to a Manchuria restaurant on New Year's Eve. I know I've had the cuisine. Um. Can I ask a follow-up question about your incident, Chester? Now, you had a wardrobe malfunction, but something must have preceded it that gave you an excitement. Oh, well, I, I live an exciting life. You know, I'm a musician. I've been accused of being the life of the party. Sometimes I'm not sure coming in and out of situations where I am or what's going on. But yes, something obviously must have pushed my button or triggered me to have that sort of a physical response to what was going on. I don't recall what it was. The last thing I remember seeing was uh, I got an alert on my phone as I was walking by a CVS that was a sale for cotton balls. Like it knew that I was walking by the CVS and it said, hey, there's a sale on cotton balls, 50% off bag of 200 cotton balls. And that was the last thing I remember before that guy said, hey, 
your boner's out. Wow. I get excited by sales myself, but I don't know that it would cause, well, I don't have a penis, so there's no way of knowing. Tell you, there's no rhyme or reason to what makes them work. Just so you guys know, if you don't have a penis, it doesn't make you any less of a man. The same way uh, not having a, a vulva or vagina makes you any less of a woman. Sex positive podcast. Everybody's welcome here. But I just happen to not have one, you know, for better or worse. Who knows? I'm uh, sure women with penises deal with the same sort of guff that I do from mine. Yes. Yes. It's a universal problem from what I understand. I really wish I had a penis so I would have a better indication of how I'm feeling. It's like a mood ring you keep in your pants. That's the best thing about penises is they can't lie. You know if someone is with a penis is into you. Literally. Absolutely. <laughs> which is your number one, which is, I, you might not know this, Chester, but penetration's Pat's number one. And I, I'm not trying to get racy with it. It's just the facts. Them's the breaks, right? She, she just lives for it. I just want to say I really wish there were other things that did it for me, like getting penetrated. But there simply is not. That's it. Top of the mountain. It's actually the only part of the mountain. If a mountain was one peak... It was very skinny and narrow, and you climbed a ladder to get to it. That's penetration for me. Yeah, I mean, if that's what you want, there's not much else that can compare to it. Yeah, and I'm, but I'm surprised that in that metaphor, you didn't say that you were the valley. But I get it. I get it. It needs work. No, don't you dare. That was beautifully done. And it painted a picture, and I was picturing it, and I felt like, you know, you ever go to Yosemite, and you see Half Dome? That's what I imagined. I felt like... I was, it brought me back there. I want the full dome. Full dome. I got to say, though, Chester, you were excited about something, which is cotton balls. And I think we can all agree that a a good sale, it is exciting. But I will tell you, you being a musician is so exciting. You know, uh, we met because you are a musician, right? What's the name of your band again? The Poker Brothers. No, none of us are brothers. That's the secret. That's a secret that I'll let you guys in on right now. We're the Poker Brothers, but we are not brothers. There's different ways to have familial relationships, you know, so you could be brothers with somebody, but not biologically the same way, you know, Pat and I consider ourselves to be uh, like sisters, but we are, we share no blood. So, you know, maybe you are brothers with you. Are you super close with them? No, we, uh, it's business only. We rarely talk outside of rehearsals and performances. Uh, using the word brothers is really just a marketing scheme. The people who hire polka bands, especially people like us who do polka covers of classic rock songs, they really are only hiring for family-based events. So having a family-based name really ups our odds of getting hired. That is so smart and good for you for being so business-minded. Now, when you are doing polka covers of uh, rock songs... Can you, can you give us, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it with our own two eyes. And I, I will say this, you know, when you did uh, a photograph by Def Leppard, I didn't see that coming. And it was a, exactly one hoot and one holla. It was so much fun. But like, what's your favorite one to play? I'm a big fan of the uh, Don't Fear the Reaper polka, which is a fun one. Uh, it's sort of dark, so we don't get to play that a lot. We don't get a lot of requests for it. But um, anything, uh, any of the ACDC polkas are good. Good. <laughs> black sounds so much fun with the squeeze box oh absolutely uh i don't like to do who songs just because they have a one that has a squeeze box in it so it doesn't seem like much of a change but uh for the most part it's it's pretty fun. if you're taking a request which you may not <clears throat> at the moment but bonnie Raitt, throw some bonnie Raitt in there it never hurt anybody and every time i hear bonnie Raitt, i get misty 
There are two things that come to mind, I think, when people say, can you sing a Bonnie Raitt song? One is obviously something to talk about, which would be so much fun. But another one, which maybe comes out of left field and people wouldn't be expecting, is it, did you ever think of doing a polka cover of that song, I Can't Make You Love Me? Yeah, I, have I thought of it? No, I've not. I'm going to be honest. I, I'm not sure I know that song. Oh, go ahead, Pat. Oh, I can't make you love me if you don't. You can't make your heart feel something it won't. Here in the dark in these final hours, because it's, it's the last night together, it's a power, but you won't. No, you won't. Does that sound like something you guys, because when I sing it, it sounds like something you could definitely cover, because it's got the tone, tonality. Yeah, you just have to add in sort of a oompa, 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 oompa over the top of it or underneath it, and then you can, that's how you pokerize it. So if you want to do that again, I can do the oompas underneath you. you can I can't make oh, you love oh, me oh, if you don't. Oh, oompa, you can't oompa, make oompa, your heart feel oompa, something oompa, it won't. Oompa, oompa, Here we are in these oompa, final oompa, hours. Oompa, oompa, you have the power, but why don't yet? Yeah. Oh. I, I, a couple of the words, I think a couple of the prepositions, I don't know, in the middle part there, but if I heard that, I would cry. I have heard that song. Now that you've sung it, I, I remember I've heard it uh, coming out of uh, cars parked in parking lots with uh, single women inside of them crying. That was probably one of us, or both of us at the same time. If, if you had taken a, a peek into that car, you probably would have seen the two of us, because that song does something. I'm, I'm, I do have tears in my eyes right now, and that's not a lie, but... Something about that song is so vulnerable. You don't hear a lot of vulnerability in polka music outside of like, you know, you got Frank Yankovic and you got, you know, Who Stole the Kishka and those traditional like polka, I'll say it, bangers. But you guys think outside the box and that's something that's so much fun. And that is, may I say, why we use the term panty dropper when we were talking about you. Yeah, absolutely. Or later hosen dropper. Durndle droppers, we call them that too. Yep. You know, my mom can't listen to uh, Roll Out the Barrel because her name's Carol, and God bless her soul, she can't, she could never listen to, because um, uh, they used to call it, she was, uh, you know, she had some water weight on her when she was younger, and they say Roll Out the Carol. Sure. And, you know, she, she couldn't listen to it, but that's neither here nor there. I can relate to your mom a lot uh, with the name Chester and all. I was, uh, grew up being called Chester the Molester. Oh. Uh, nonstop, which made being an uncle very hard, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I have a reputation around town just because my name rhymes with molester, and it has been an uphill battle, I'll tell you. It's unfair to do that to an upstanding adult. It's more unfair to do it to a child. Were they calling you that in school? Absolutely. This was before we knew what molestation was. We'd all just sort of heard the word on a TV movie of the week. We're all chasing each other around the playground. I'm going to molest you. I'm going to molest you. Hey, that rhymes with Chester. Chester the molester. Let's do that. And then it just carried on throughout my entire life. Meanwhile, I've brought more molesters to justice than probably anybody you've met. Now, tell us about that a little bit. But before you do, I just want to say, which is why I am trying to get people to start using the term pederast. Because I think that's a better word for it. I love saying it. If there were more reasons for me to say it in everyday life, I would say pederast all the time. Yeah, pederast gives you a good word picture of what's happening. Molester just means you got bothered, right? Something you didn't, something happened to you you didn't like. But a pederast, I see that when you say it. 
That's right. Okay, now tell us how you uh, crime stopping. Oh, well, uh, every kid that I meet, every child that I interact with, I want to let them know that I am a safe person for them to talk to. I have seen everything and I have done everything. And I, uh, nothing that they can tell me is going to surprise me. So I ask them to tell me the worst thing that's ever happened to them, the biggest secrets they ever have. Tell them to me and I'm going to go take care of them for them. One day turnaround, I promise, every kid. A one day turnaround? Nobody can guarantee that. Well, a lot of times they won't open up to me at all, right? They're too afraid. They just met me. They're a friend of my nephew's. They're not going to tell me anything. But if they do, I act on it. Now, how are people reacting when you're asking the children to tell you the secrets? Because I can imagine that might sometimes work opposite on your goal here, right? If you're secluding children and saying, tell me your secrets, because I know you're doing such good work. But uh, you ever get any blowback on that, Chester? I do. Sometimes I do. And uh, I tell you, that's the that whoever is giving me that pushback goes right to the top of my list. If I'm asking a kid, tell me all the secrets of your family. And I hear a dad behind me say, hey, knock that off. I'm like, you know what? What are you trying to hide, pal? Let's you and I have a talk out back. Now, this reminds me so clearly of my personal favorite person, Mariska Hagate. She started the role of Olivia Benson uh, almost two decades ago. And because of her role as a first Detective Olivia Benson, now Captain Olivia Benson, spoiler alert, she's climbed up through the ranks. Oh my goodness, really? Congratulations. Thank you for your service. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, A thing that I love about her is because she plays somebody who works in sex crimes, she became very involved in them personally. She started the Joyful Heart Foundation. She became a trained rape crisis counselor. She took the role on, and so have you. And it's about repurposing what you're given. If somebody's going to call you Chester the Molester, you will say to them, oh, I'll see you calling me a molester, and I'll raise you. I'm going to stop molesters. That's right. That is rising to a challenge that you should have never been administered when you were a kid. I'll become Chester the Molester Detector. Oh, we got to get there's the Chester the Molester. Detector is a slant rhyme. It doesn't work for me. Detester. Chester the Molester Detester. There it is. There it is. Because I hate them. They are my enemies. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but molesters are my enemies. I'll go on record as saying they're also my enemies. Yeah. I don't like them. I don't. I don't like, I don't like it. I, I really, I, I, now do you identify ethnically as polka? Ethnically? Uh, usually on forms that I fill out, tax forms and stuff, when it asks my race, I put other and then polka. A lot of people don't know that that encompasses a certain subset of white people, which is, like you said earlier, like Oompa Loompa, you know, like, you know, you're Germans, you're uh, Polish people, you're, um, you're mayonnaise potato salad uh, group. Because I, I, I think a lot of people don't know that the polka is a very specific uh, group of, of, of uh, white Americans. Oh, or uh, I shouldn't say that. People of any ethnicity who, 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 oh, I've dug a hole. Well, you did, but I'm going to stop you right there from beating yourself up. The first thing you said that was incorrect was that Oompa Loompas were German and Polish. They're not. They're orange with green hair, right? They came from an island, right? He, was, he took them off of an island. He captured them because they were about to go extinct. Yeah, which sounds helpful, but it's, it's kind of similar to how I feel about zoos, which is, are you helping? Right, I hope that the first thing Charlie did was free them. Because it's like if you if you went and saved all the white rhinos that were left and then you made them plow the fields for you. Like, he made those Oompa Loompas work. Yeah, and teach kids lessons. Right. Like, these kids, they let them rest. 
They're tired. You're working them to the bone. Now they got to sing songs and do cartwheels and stuff? Give that goddamn factory to the Oompa Loompas, right? Thank you. Why were you looking for somebody pure of heart when you got these these brilliant little men doing all the work for you? Although I guess they... Okay, now think about this. There were no female Oompa Loompas, so... How do we know that? Well, they weren't pictured. Maybe they all have the same features. Maybe they're not, uh, 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 what's it called? Uh, uh, oh, diverse. bland. Oh, right, right, right. Y- yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe they procreate by being, um, oh, by getting the hair curled. And that's, more of them come up and, huh. Well, he should have done that. It's a different film. And it's, maybe all the kids learn a lesson. And he says, no one gets it. The Oompa Loompas get it. We've all learned a valuable lesson. Give it to the people who have worked you know, tooth and nail to keep it alive. Yeah, because what happens now? They, the Oompa Loompas are like, oh, good, a child's in charge of us. Are they going to match my 401k contributions? I doubt it. What's the benefits package? If you've been an Oompa Loompa, does he expect them to work for free? I got a lot of questions now that I didn't have before, and I think that's what's so great about this podcast is that we make people think. You know, justice, I don't want to start a hashtag that doesn't go anywhere, but justice for Oompa Loompas. They look the same front and back. I don't know if they were double-jointed or what, but do you ever notice when they turned around, there was no way to tell if it was the front or the back except for the face? Well, they had those overalls on, so it was like the back part of the overalls. Is it- Watch it again. I'm begging you, do a rewatch, because you can't tell if they're coming or going. It's worth a rewatch. Well, it's worth a rewatch for a lot of reasons, because, you know, you, you do learn a few lessons. One of them, I guess, is don't chew gum. Ugh, it's really terrible. It's the worst. I don't let any of my uh, nieces or nephews chew gum. That's a thing mm. that I chewed gum my whole childhood. My teeth have rotted away. I've got, uh, you know how you get a partial to replace a big chunk of your tooth? I don't have those. I have only partial teeth left. I have mostlies all over my, my molars. Here's what I'll say about that. You can't tell. You certainly can't tell from the audience. Well, if I screamed into a camera, you'd see all the mismatched colors in there. It's, it's like a puzzle of the ivory trade. It's a bunch of different colors. Don't judge yourself for that. Don't, don't for one second think that that makes you any less than. Because mouths are different. Mouths, everybody's mouth is different. And who's to say which mouth is the right mouth? That because teeth are whiter, I mean, inherently white is the best? No, we have to fight against that. So don't you think that in showing that you have, whether they're partial teeth or mostlies or anything in there that's different, that makes you more beautiful, Chester? You're a musician. No one expects musicians to have, you know, look at Mick Jagger. He's got a mouth full of, it looks, and excuse my language, it looks like he's got like a mouth full of sometimes, you know, just, and I think it's a beautiful, I love the female form and shape, especially my own, but it looks like he has spent some time milling around tons of and not, I don't know. Michael Douglas got cancer from, uh, from eating so much. Yeah, that's what he said. He, but he blamed it on Catherine Zeta-Jones, and that is so rude. Never blame your wife. That's horrible. That's pretty rough. I agree. Ron said I, he got an ear infection one time from going down on me. That was probably the only time he did it. I know in my heart that Ron was bad at that. I can tell. You know what? You don't get an ear infection from that. He said the way I liked it. He said the way I wanted him to do it, that's how he got an ear infection, and he never did it again, and I felt bad. I felt, God, what's slithering out of me and into people's ears when they get near there? Yeah. It right. might have just been if you're hard with your thighs that you're covering up 
his ears and trapping some water in there. Maybe he came fresh from the shower and you were holding, holding his ears closed so that water couldn't get out and then it can turn septic, you know? Which is his fault. Absolutely. Water in his ears, that's not your fault. That is his fault. How dare he? That is something, I'm sorry. Okay, DJ Khaled, you're not going to do that to a woman? That's fine. But don't you dare blame my best friend for an ear infection and then deprive her from one of the only things that women get to call their own. How dare you? I'm so sorry he did that. You know, I once did a community production of the Vagina Monologues, and my monologue was The Flood. And it was the one where the, this woman, when she's young, the first time she has an orgasm, she's, I guess, now looking back on it, there was some version of female ejaculation, right? And the guy shames her for it. And do you know what she chooses to do? Never have sex or receive cunnilingus again. And it was a true monologue that Eve Ensler did a read. She did, you know, she did all these interviews. So here's what I'm trying to say. That woman's life was ruined because some stupid, ignorant man didn't know what happens, you know, when a woman achieves pleasure sometimes. And your stupid, ignorant ex-husband, who I just coincidentally can't freaking stand, shamed you for something that a partner is supposed to do and want to do for their loved one. So you can tell Ron, actually, I will tell him, I found his number. I'm going to call him and I'm going to give him a piece of my goddamned mind because he's a son of a bitch and he needs to know it. Would you tell him I said hey? No. All right. He sounds like a bad guy. He's a bad guy, Chester. He cheated on her multiple times. He was a complete jerk. He didn't like going down on you, but he'd had have sex with other women. That's terrible. He's not finishing uh, what's on his plate. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like someone who goes to an old country buffet, you know, and you, you go, okay, I'm committed to this chicken that I got at the start. I got the chicken at the start. And then you walk in, you're walking and you're seeing more things and you think, I'll come back for the other thing. And then you sit down and maybe the chicken is a little dry. Maybe it's just a little bit dry because you're at an old country buffet. I'm just saying, sometimes maybe the chicken got a little dry because the chicken was tired. And then you go, I don't have to finish this chicken because I'm at a buffet. So then you go up and you get, I don't know, uh, a casserole that's always going to be damp because it just got put out. And so you eat the casserole and the chicken goes in the trash. And you know what I just read? All this unused food, uneaten food creates methane that is cooking this planet. So the next time you don't finish your chicken, I want you to think about destroying humanity. I want you to think about one were you too dry or were you too wet and you gave him an ear infection? Get your story straight, Ron, you bastard. Two, you are no... Look, it's not my business what happens down in your nethers, okay? But it is my business what happens in your head and your heart. And I know for a fact that there's not one dry thing about you. You are full of life. You are... Is it weird to say wet? You're wet. You're wet as hell, okay? I love that. I love that because it's... You know what's out there now? Being wet. I'm wet. I am wet. I am. I'm almost too. I something's happening because I know I'm supposed to be drying out, but it's ramping up. It's coming out of me at all ends, at all times of the day and night. It is wild. And you know what? I am going to celebrate that. And speaking of Chester, you were talking about your nieces and nephews, and I can only assume that they are thrilled to. <laughs> what in the world kind of segue is coming after that? I thought you were <laughs> into that song with. Uh, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. Wow. Song of the Summer. We're working on that. We're working on a, on a parody of that, on a version of it for the accordion. You're going to have to clean it way up. 
Well, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. No. I, think I, I think if you, the, the bubbliness and the bounciness of the music itself sort of takes away from the lyrics of it. And to be honest, some of my, uh, my lyrics are hard to hear. Now why? As in like people sh aren't prepared for them or? No, I'm, I don't enunciate clearly. You guys remember, uh, it's sort of like low and gruff. It's, it's like, I don't know, it's sort of uh, slipknotty on top of the, the polka music. So it's hard to make out what I'm saying. It's like a growl. You know, I thought you were really leaning into, you seemed like, um, am I using this word right? I don't know how people use this word, but you seemed like a bear to me, like a polka bear, where you bear, you're a bear, and you're a polka, and that growl came out. Yeah, I think uh, no matter what style of music you're playing, it's still, it's digging down into the deep, dark recesses of your soul, even if it's sort of bubbly, you know, polka music. I'm uh, digging deep into my soul and bringing out all the black ichor that I can so that I can put it on stage for anybody who's there to witness it. And if I may, therein lies the sex appeal. Oh, no. I'll take that. Yeah, just getting back to that panty dropping thing, which is like, you know, we saw you... And I'm not one to fawn over somebody, but, but the two of us, like, it was one of those moments where I don't wear pearls, I don't own them, but if I did, I would have, you know, brought my hand just to my clavicle, because it was, it was, it stirred up something in me, and, and Pat too, and the two of us were like the Bangus sisters, but we, except we didn't have sex with anybody, and I never saw that movie, is that what that movie's about? I don't know either. I thought it might have been about Senate in Maine. Now, we saw you and we had we had just done a flight of cheese because we were at the Cheese Chalet and I did not feel well because I had finished my flight and then I turned to Mags and she said, this Gouda is too smoky. And so I ate her Gouda. It turns out it was a flight of all Goudas. So I had 12 different Goudas. Neither of us felt great. But then all of a sudden, like she said, clutching our pearls we were holding each other like we were in a haunted house i mean i hope you, i hope that doesn't make you feel uncomfortable but truly your music persona is so effective oh no i love to hear it that's that's what i'm trying to put out there i've always put out a, a vibe that women respond to and i think the thing that they like the most about me and tell me if this uh, holds true for the two of you is that uh it's clear from my vibe that i don't want anything back I don't want anything from you. I'm just here to give, and then I'm on my way, right? I can't relate to your husband's problem, Pat. Ron, that was his name. I mean, when I was in high school, it was well known that at least on 12 different occasions, when I would take girls out, we would progress to third base. I would eat them out and then say goodnight. What? Do something great and walk away. That's what I do. And come to think of it, that may have been why I was walking around with an erection. I think the pieces are coming together now. Now that makes a lot more sense because not the cotton balls aren't exciting because they are. But yeah, that adds up now when you think about it. I don't want to contradict anything from a long time ago, but it wasn't the sale that made me aroused by cotton balls. When I think of cotton balls, it's the, the texture, it's the fluff, the white fluff that, mm. that sends a, it's a very sensual feeling to me and it, it really triggers something. If you like white fluff, you would love me. If you're interested in taking a trip downtown you'll see my white fluff blowing around like springtime well don't well, be with a good time there pat because mm -hmm. i mean i can tell you that is exactly why i have that association my mom took me to the ymca uh and in the she took me to the women's locker room one time too many i was just old enough that i have these memories burned into my brain 
of the shower room in there. And I think that's where that association comes from. Yeah, it looks like a third grade class, like someone was making something for spring. Yeah, got cheap. Yeah, just blew, it blew on there, stuck. You're like the Golden State Thriller. I'm not a fan of that guy, I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, he's a bad guy. Yeah, he's A number one, top, I'm glad they caught him, because if, uh, if they hadn't caught him, he was on my list of molesters I want to catch. You would have got him. You and Paul Holes and what's the name? Is Michelle it? McNamara. That's it. You, you and Paul Holes and Michelle McNamara. Now, I just want to say this real quick. When I think of White Fluff, you know, I think of the movie The Notebook. That's what I think it is. How did that feature in The Notebook? I don't quite exactly remember. I'm saying that my, that's what I look to, like when people say like, what kind of movie is The Notebook? I respond with White Fluff. I see. You know, I hate that movie. Infidelity. I hate it. I don't want to say something that I, and ask a question that I shouldn't ask. But I don't have the most diverse circles, uh, and you two seem like you know a lot of more people than I do. Is there a movie that you could point to that would be called Black Fluff? Ooh. I want to expose myself to more types of media, broaden my horizons. And if there's, if there's white fluff, is there black fluff? I don't want to put a name to it because I feel like it's not my place to say which movie would be black fluff, but it sure is my place to say what white fluff is, and I'll say it, The Notebook. And any Hallmark movie, any of that, that's all white fluff. You know, Molly and Me, sorry, white fluff. Daddy Daycare? That's as close as I can get, I think. I think that, you know, I Mags is so respectful. I'm going to call that black fluff. I don't know why, and I can't put my finger on who's in it, but I feel confident that that's what I would call. Daddy Daycare. See, this is the problem when, with movies that came out after my blockbuster closed. You know, Manchurian Candidate, never saw it. But that was a remake, you know, Manchurian Candidate. It was uh, originally starred Frank Sinatra way back in the 60s. Oh, well, that's not one you put on the screens to get people to rent movies, you know. So True. Probably I don't know as much about that as I do say the movie girls just want to have fun. Or, you know, Teen Wolf. Did you say Teen Wolf? Yeah, oh yeah, I said Teen Wolf, yeah. Oh boy. Uh, I'm a big fan of Teen Wolf 2. Jason Bateman. The no. thing I like the most about it is that not only is he's, uh, he's Scott Howard's cousin that comes to play uh, to, to box instead of play basketball, but the boxing coach is like the cousin of his basketball coach. Yeah, there's a lot of awesome familial connections in that movie. And yeah. And what else is great. They do a, a full on, there's a, you remember that song? Do you love me? Of course. Do- yeah, that's a big part of the movie, which most people associate that with uh, Dirty Dancing, that song. But I always have associated it with Team Wolf 2. You know what? It, uh, the reason I don't associate that song with Dirty Dancing is because it was not on the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. It was on the Dirty Dancing 2 soundtrack, and I had to buy two cassette tapes in order to get that song. Whereas if I just bought the Teen Wolf 2 soundtrack, I only needed that one. Yeah, you're right. They did it in two parts, which is unfair. And you know what else they introduced in Teen Wolf 2, world-building-wise? A lady wolf, a she-wolf. That's interesting. I want to follow her story. What's she doing? She teaches college? She gave up eating chickens uh, off of farms to go teach college, and they don't spend more than 10 minutes with her in the whole freaking movie? Meanwhile, Chunk, the hyper-obese man who played varsity basketball and also made it onto the varsity boxing team? We don't spend any time with him? He's an amazing specimen of a man. The fact that he's got the endurance to play that much basketball 
and do that much boxing. That's a story that should be told anyways. But really, this, I think, shines a light on women in film, which is definitely she was the more interesting character. There's a she-wolf professor. The obstacles that she had to overcome. One, being a wolf woman. Two, to get tenured. That's difficult. Give me a Teen Wolf 3 where that college professor goes home and marries Scott's dad and they start a new middle-aged wolf family together. I would watch the hell out of that. I would watch that over and over and really find new things in it every time. Are there films, uh, Chester, that you feel as though uh, you've maybe, because I feel like this is an uncle thing, a little bit more than an aunt thing. Are there movies that you feel it's important that your nieces and nephews see and so you show them those movies <laughs> absolutely i think it is my job as an uncle to expose thing uh, expose my nieces and nephews to things that they're not quite ready for that they're oh, almost oh, ready oh, for. i'm gonna stop you i'm just gonna stop you there in case because i know a lot of folks like to take things out of context so i just want to make sure that we're clear you are chester the molester detester and you think ask kids secrets, and you like to expose them to things before they're ready, but that's all an innocent thing because you're a good person. Continue. Thank you. Yeah, if anybody was just listening to that part of the podcast only, it would be very confusing. Uh, But yes, I I, I think it is incumbent upon me as an uncle to help push them along into into different types of media, into movies and uh, music and stuff, expose them to things that their parents uh, who have been quite honestly, taken out of pop culture because they've been spending all their time uh, raising these kids. They've given up their lives to raise these kids, and it's up to me to sort of make sure that they have all of the education that they need. So I have a, you know, we watch Children of the Corn. We watch the Prophecy movies where uh, Christopher, uh, what's that guy's name? Christopher Walken is an angel. We watch uh, as many of the, you know, mostly horror movies, Basket Case. We watch The Changeling. We watch anything with body horror, things like that, that would really, things that made me puke as a kid. Those are the things that I want those kids to have, because they need to have the same sort of experiences that I had, and I turned out all right. Like faces of death and stuff? Well, that's that, that's that's a different story. That's uh, Those are real, as far as I'm concerned, and uh, that's not something to see a kid. What I, can, what I like to be able to do is to show a kid something, and then once they stop crying, then I can say, you know how they did that? And I'll teach them the special effects. I'll talk them all the way through the special effects so they know that it wasn't real. I think that's helpful. Although it wouldn't have helped me, you know, because I'm a big scaredy cat. I don't, uh, I don't do well with stuff like that. But, I, but that is, I think, an, an inherently uncle role to take on, which is I'm going to show you things. It's going to make you probably poop your pants. But then I'm going to show you, you know, peek behind the curtain. Yeah, and you may disagree with this, but I think it's, uh, it's part of my job to hurt the kids a little bit. Oh, oh, just going to stop you real quick right there. I should actually let you finish because maybe you were going to dig yourself out of this one uh, with your own hands. But, um, yep, keep going. And I shouldn't have said peek behind the curtain. That's probably. That's where they keep the bad movies. You were talking about hurting kids. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I feel as long as they're not suffering permanent damage, things that they can heal from, uh, uh, top level, I like to, I top out at a broken bone dislocated shoulder that's about it something that i can run them to the emergency room and bring them back to their parents and i say yes they got hurt but that's already fixed mm-hmm. that's the kind of injuries that i'm talking about if it's rainy I'll, uh, I'll pull them behind my pickup truck on an inner tube if it's uh, dry out i'll let them hold on to that same rope but uh, they'll have roller skates on uh if it's you know if it's 
snowy again i'll let them ride down a hill uh you know on a on a trash can lid if it's uh regardless of whether or not we're supposed to be there i'll take them tipping cows i'll take them uh you know uh chasing deer down out of fields whatever we can do it's fun it gets their their bodies moving it gives them exercise and if they get hurt they learn that they can heal i gotta say i'm i'm nervous to say this do you Consider yourself a Funkle? Because that kind of sounds like big Funkle energy, right? Where it's like a little bit irresponsible with their health and safety. Where, you know, Funkles get away with that stuff where it's like, oh, well, Uncle Chester was just having some fun. Where as an aunt, if, if you know, it's a double standard. If, the, if an aunt brought back a niece and nephew injured, people would say she's less of an aunt. But if somebody brought back a niece and nephew or nibbling injured, then somebody would say, you know, that's just a Funkle being a Funkle. I don't consider myself a Funkle. And I think the thing that distinguishes me from a Funkle is that everything that I do is well planned out. I'm not spontaneous. I don't fly by the seat of my pants. Everything I have is planned out. So if someone says to me, what were you doing letting them climb up the side of a water tower and they fell off and dislocated a shoulder? I said, well, this is what I was thinking. I have this piece of paper that I had printed out beforehand. These were my plans. This is exactly what I thought would happen. I'm here to test uh, these kids' strength. I'm here to test their ability to handle heights. I'm here to adjust uh, and test their ability to manage a crisis. That's everything is planned out, right? A Funkle just uh, brings kids along to do what they were going to do anyway. You sound like a Plunkle. Yeah. A planning uncle. A planning uncle. All right. I always consider myself sort of a Tunkle, which is like a tough uncle, or maybe a Kunkle, which is a cool uncle. Now, I got to say, it. I, I just want to be honest with you, Chester, because you got so many great qualities. And, uh, you know, Megs and I, when we hear stuff like this, it does. It Like Meg said, you know, it sets off, uh, is this a funkel? Uh, you know, when I hear about kids hanging off of water towers, there's a part of me that's like, oh, please don't do that. Um, but you know what? You've got a different way. Like I tell, I tell my nieces and nephews, you know, you are helping them to learn a lot of important physical lessons, whereas I think I'm trying to help the kids learn emotional lessons. Like people let you down. You know, you can't count on, you can't trust people, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Don't lend out money to anybody. Don't let anyone know your real address. Stuff like that, that I feel like, you know, we're just different sides of the same coin. I agree. And I, I you know, I don't discount emotions. And when, uh, when my nephew Tanner gets hurt, uh, when he, he fell out of a maple tree and dislocated his shoulder and he was crying. And I did not say what my dad said to me, which is stop crying. Right. I said, cry it out, cry every one of your tears out you sit here and cry until you're done. And then we're going to go to the hospital once you're done crying. Oh, wow. So how long had he been sitting there before you finally got him into the ER? Took two and a half, three hours. And then how long was the wait in the ER? Um, by that time he had passed out. So they took us right in. That's the kind of lesson I never got to learn. You know, you guys seem like a couple of fun ants. You know, when I saw you at the cheese chalet, you guys were tipping back the sparkling white wines and, uh, you know, getting a little loose. Now, I don't mean to say loose, but, you know, loose in like that, that couple of cocktails sort of a way. Hey, if the shoe fits up inside you. Oh, my goodness. She fell on one of those boots. Part of it went into her side because they started, they ran out of the, because um, we did start drinking wine, but then they ran out of wine vessels. And so they put it in those little uh, memorial uh, boots and um, Megs did fall. And it didn't go, of course, it didn't go inside of her, uh, but she did fall on a boot uh, on her butt. But, um, you know, we were having so much fun that day. I have to tell you, it was a real hoot. And I think that we're fun, but we're just a different kind of fun. Am I right, Megs? 
Yeah, you know, we classify ourselves as a pair of, I mean, uncontrollable raging funds. And I think that's fantastic. The problem is that if I see a kid on a water tower, I'm going to say, hey, you got to get down. You know, which makes me seem less fun, which makes me sad. But, you know, it sounds like there's a, there's a plan here that you're putting into play. And that's important. I don't mean to discredit your experience and your capabilities as a planner. And maybe just on my end, are you first aid certified? Are you qualified to patch and repair if you need to in the moment? So do some triage. I, got, I was first aid certified in 1991. I know they've changed some of the things. You're not supposed to do mouth to mouth anymore, but that's still the only way I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So I still do that when I need to. And it's mostly my family anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But I don't know how to use those AED machines to give someone a shock because they didn't have those in 91. I really just know the ha 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 staying alive and then uh, mouth to mouth. Now, I know this is not the point of what you said, and this is just how my mind works. And it makes me sad. But when you said it's 91, the phrase, you guys remember that song, Pop Goes the Weasel, my third bass? Because the weasel goes pop. Yeah. And he says, it's 91, son. You know, so something's got to change. Getting paid, pedal sneakers and soda. Pop, 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 pop goes the weasel and draws. Drop, drop, drop. Yeah. So that's just kind of always going on in my mind, which doesn't have anything to do with anything and sometimes makes me sad. Oh, it was a long time ago. Yeah, I got that in there, though. So many things were so long ago now. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, I hope, Jesse, you know that we, I really do. I have a respect for what you do because I couldn't do it. If I told my nieces and nephews, I'll give you a million dollars, if even if they were halfway up a water tower, if I said, I'll give you a million dollars to get all the way to the top, they'd come directly down. They're contrarian because I don't have the kind of relationship that you have built with your nieces and nephews because you, you seem to have built a, a relationship where despite all these injuries and the crying and the fear and terror you must inspire, they keep coming back for more. Well, uh, they know that there's no way out. You know, when they have got time with me and their parents are off doing the things that they need to do, I am letting these kids know that there's no other option. They're going to do the things that I have planned for them, and that's it. Uh, their parents, I remind them all the time, are have been working their ass off to provide for them. They've mm-hmm. ruined their lives and given away so much for these kids. And the the best thing that they can do right now is give them space and learn with me. It's not just all climbing water towers. And I will say, by the way, we only climb the old-fashioned water towers that have the, you know, the big basin on top, not the ones that have the bulb top. Those are dangerous. We use the old ones that have the slanted legs that you can climb up a ladder more easily. And it's not all just climbing water towers. I take them on tours of factories so they can learn how working people earn a living. I take these kids hunting so they can learn how to fire weapons and be safe with guns. Because I know that if I don't do this, my my nieces and nephews do have a funkle. My brother's wife's brother is a full-on funkle. He's a funkle on the other side. And if I don't teach these kids this stuff, they're going to get it from him. He's a Hawaiian shirt, cigar smoking, motorcycle driving. You'd see him on the street and you'd say, Rush Limbaugh. That's not him, but it looks like him. He's that kind of a guy. And if I don't step in and do a little bit of fun uncling, they're going to get full fun uncle from that guy. That shook me to my core. That spoke to me on a level, you got to get in there. Now I'm, now I'm pro putting the kids on a water tower if that's the battle you're up against. You know what his name is? Scooch. No, no. And you know, Scooch, you know, you brought up Rush Limbaugh. He might be pumped full of oxy. Oh, Scooch might be. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt that he crushes it and sniffs it. Scooch isn't a name. It's a command that you give to a cat that's sitting on your chair. 
my brother's wife's family, they all have those nicknames. There's Scooch. Her name is Skeeter. There's Skipper and Sketch. There's four of them. So far, you have named something you tell a cat when he's on your chair, a Muppet stage manager, Bobby's younger sister, and a style of comedy that may or may not be going out of style. Okay? So, come on. Isn't family a blessing and a curse? You know, actually, that makes me think of, I thought of the other night, I really did have this happen. I woke up in the middle of the night with a phrase, a blessing and a nurse. And I thought, how can I apply this to my own life? I don't even know any nurses because I thought that might be a fun t-shirt, a blessing and a nurse. You could, you should probably do sketch comedy. I think that's sketch comedy, what you just said. I've written down so many ideas. Me too. Or oh, put that on a poncho. We could sell that at Poncho Villa like that. Yeah. Right? Okay, you can have that. I want you to have that one because it makes me happy. It would just be happy to see it uh, go to fruition because I start with an idea and then I can't see it all the way through. And that's why we are together. I wrote down the other night, my oldest niece, Josie, taught me what, what thought means. T-H-O-T, thought. Do you know what that is? It means that hoe over there. And I woke up in the middle of the night and wrote down, it's the thought that counts. It's the that hoe over there that counts. It's like a feminist manifesto. It's that hoe over there that counts. She's, she's a hoe. Who knows? But she counts. She's over there. That's Teen Wolf too, right? It's not about what's in the boxing ring. It's not about what's in the locker room. It's not about what's in the classroom. It's that hoe over there that counts. Yeah. And whether or not that professor, you know, was a hoe. We're pro-hoe in this podcast. We support hoes. God bless them. We're pro- pro Pro-ho-ho. Mary Hormus. Wow. That's going on a poncho for seasonal. (laughs) That's seasonal. It doesn't sound like the actual phrase, but I think the impact is so much bigger. When somebody says Merry Christmas, I don't react. But when somebody says Merry Hormus, that's a jaw dropper. We got a panty dropper, now we got a jaw dropper. That's big. I know, Chester, you're committed to, um, or at least I've made assumptions, that you're committed to being a bit of a lone wolf out there. You don't seem to be that interested in mating, a coupling up or whatnot. I just want you to know that... uh, you had two enormous fans, Hormus enormous fans at that show. And I hope that you know that though uh, you're not our style necessarily of the way that we aunt and uncle, that you are a very valuable person. And I hope that you know that, uh, that you would really do well out there in the scene. Oh, well, thank you very much, Pat. I, I, I live to serve. Absolutely. I, I just want to give good experiences to the women of the world that I encounter. I don't need to own a woman. I don't need to control a woman. I need to, to meet and embedder as many women as I can. And I can't wait to pass those lessons on to my nephews and nieces. Thank you for including nieces into that. Because anybody can do the things you do at third base, but nobody can do them for the reasons you do them. Absolutely. Except for, did Michael Douglas lose his jaw? Is he unable? Did he did they lose his tongue? No, he's back up in it, I think. He's fine. What was he complaining about? Yeah, exactly. It's a gift. He should say thank you. You ever taken a look at Catherine Zeta-Jones? You ever seen the movie Chicago? That's a gift, Michael Douglas. Although, romancing the stone, he could get it. Oh, absolutely. You see those alligator boots? He steps up, puts those alligator boots on the railing of that boat? Ooh la la. Some guy would be yelling at me to put my boner away then if I was out on that street in New York City. That's the most unbelievable part of that whole movie, which is I believe that somebody would go to Cartagena to get their sister who's been kidnapped and held for ransom so that you have to find this big jewel and you got to go on this wild goose chase for it. And Danny DeVito and his cousin, you know, they're button heads. I understand completely 
that that story is believable. Where it doesn't get believable is that he was able to bring a gigantic sailboat on a Manhattan street in the middle of the day. That part, <laughs> unlikely. He just parked it there till she came outside. He was waiting there all day. He didn't know when her lunch break was. You no, know, he sure didn't. Any New York City cop would have been like, move it or lose it, buddy. You can't stay here. Especially if it's during a high traffic area. They're not going to let any standing traffic. That is the least likely scenario in that whole movie. I believe, without a doubt in my mind, that you could dive in the water after an alligator, get a gigantic emerald out of its stomach, turn that alligator into boots, and come back to find the love of your life more than I believe you could park a sailboat on a New York City street. Yeah, he was like in front of her publisher's office. Yeah. How did he know? That was New York in the 80s, though. Yeah, you could get the publishing address off the back of a paperback and just go right there. And then, you know, he wasn't so serious. You know, it was like, hey, get this boat off the street. And Michael Douglas is like, my woman's in there. And someone else leans out the window and they say, hey, shut up, you. And the other person leans out and says, will you marry me, Renee? And she says, which Renee? Because this is New York City. And everyone's yelling, but we're all Americans in the end. That's right. Now, you know I can't stand New York because I lived there for three weeks and got my heart shat out. But... I will say, there's two great things about that. One, the spirit of New York in the 80s. is That's not lost on me, even though I can't stand it now, because I believe two human devils live there and are in love. But another great thing about that is that that publisher was none other than Holland Taylor, who is now one of America's favorite lesbians. And I think that's pretty special, too. That's the God's honest. I gotta say, you know, next time I look up, next time I see a water tower... I'm going to imagine their children clinging to it desperately for their lives and that you are beneath them holding a clipboard ready to enact whatever plan it is. And uh, Chester, I got to say that from the very first time we met you, you challenged us. You challenged us to remain. You challenged us to keep whatever we got in our own pants. Yeah. And uh, I think it's always good. You know, Max has said this before. We do this podcast to learn too. you know, not just to, to pontificate about the things that we know to be true, but to be challenged. And I think you've done that here today. And I, I just couldn't appreciate you more because, you know, we actively dislike all uncles, but there are some of you who truly are doing the heavy lifting. But also you got to know the caliber of uncle that we've had on this show, it's different. It's a different caliber of uncle because, you know, Dutch and AJ uh, and you and, you know, it's just something that's so honestly pure and special. And there's a glimmer in your eye that shows us that you're different. So yes to the thing you said, Pat. Yeah, uncles. uh, But you are one of the good ones. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about uncles who are there to use kids, right? They're there to say, oh, uh, I'm, I'm dating a woman. I love kids. This woman likes kids. I love kids. I've got a, a niece or a nephew. They must be 10 or 15 by now or whatever. And they don't know those kids. That's not me. I, I didn't have any uncles growing up. I had zero uncles. So I am learning on my own. I'm learning how to be an uncle uh, from these kids. They're teaching me as much as I'm teaching them. And I want to give them everything that I lacked growing up. Did you have aunts? No, I didn't. Both of my parents were only children. You've got two ants right here. Oh, well, that warms my heart. Hey, send me your Venmo and teach me how to use it, and I'm going to give you $5. Ooh. No, remember, Pat, you're not allowed to do Venmo, because the kids, you're not allowed to do it anymore. 
All right, they've been in my Venmo. Um, we'll talk about it later. I- I'm going to get you $5 because that's going to make me feel good. And uh, as we learned before, we think that aunts and uncles have to be older than the nieces and nephews, but that's not necessarily the case. So, oh, that feels good. I'm excited to see where this goes. Normally, we would say take us to your happy place, take us to your nieces and nephews. You kind of already covered that, so we don't have to say it. But we do always like to ask, you know, what's a piece of advice to somebody who's Uncle Curious or Aunt Curious? Like, what's your best piece of advice for them that doesn't kind of touch on the things we've already talked about? Hmm. I would say the best thing that you can do as an uncle or an aunt, whatever you are, is start saving money. Saving money, not in a bank, put it at home. Save cash, emergency go money. Money enough that you're going to forget that it's there. So that when your nieces or nephews come to you and they're in danger, they need some help, uh, that you can come in and help them. You can save the day. If your brother and his stupid wife, Skipper, have overextended themselves and they need to get bailed out and they don't want their kids to know about it, you can give them some cash. That's what I would say. Start pigeonholing whatever money you can. Coins, dollar bills, and just stick it somewhere and forget about it. See, now, an aunt would say, don't get yourself into that situation in the first place. But the kind of uncle you are would say, squirrel some money away be ready because it is going to go south because nobody taught you not to do that so here's what you need when it does and oh i my like god that. Uh, I, you're right i am prepared for disaster all the time that is that i've never heard it expressed that way before i didn't know that i was so negative but you really nailed me you really nailed me mags we're the prevention and you are the cure oh you should cover the cure Friday, I'm in love. Womp, womp. Friday, I'm in love. Saturday, wait. Thursday, never complicates. I got to revisit that. I can't remember the order they did the days. I think they're just in the regular order of days. Yeah, it was right in a row. Oh. But you know which one you should do? You know that one that's like, show me, show me, show me how you do that thing. The one that makes me scream. Oompa, oompa. Oompa, oompa. What they're talking about in that song? He's talking about going downtown, right? Show me, show me, show me how you do that trick, the one that makes me scream, she said. Oh, I, 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 I can't read levels of lyrics. I only know the literal text of a song. Well, that's a good one because she said, well, she says, you know, show me how you do it, and I promise you, I promise I'll run away with you. I'll run away with you. Yeah, that's a good one. That's, that's why one. I like that WAP song, because it, I get it. I understand every bit that they say. I see the pictures, just like the word pederast. I see everything that they're talking about. Macaroni in a pot. I get it. I've seen that. And you know, the thing about that is, because I'm Italian, when I heard the, the song was called WAP, I got real excited, because I thought somebody's writing a song about Italians by Italians, you know, because we can call ourselves that, but don't anybody else call us that, you know, WAPs. But... It's not without papers. I thought it was about Charlize Theron, like a white African princess. Oh, is she a princess? Well, to me. Yeah, she should be. I don't mind telling you. I would hit it and never quit it with with Charlize. Ugh. Show up every day for the rest of my life. I would never quit it. She's gorgeous. And she seems pretty freaking cool. You think she listens to this podcast? Is she an aunt? We gotta look into it. We gotta figure it out. We should look bet, into it. I bet she doesn't have any family. Mm. I bet she was like uh, birthed from a half shell or something. Like she came out of a, a, a flower, a giant conch shell or something. Like the uh, Aphrodite. Yeah, like Botticelli. Yeah. Is yeah. that in that picture? The Botticelli paints? The curvy lady? Covet. That, you know that picture of that curvy lady who's standing in like a big conch shell, but she's covering her bits? You know, she's got a hand over her boobs? That's Botticelli. Yeah, yeah Aphrodite. Absolutely. Venus on the half shell. 
Turtle power. Venus on the half shell. Turtle power. I love it. Wow. Well, I for one learned a lot today. I really did. I learned, you know what? I'm a fearful person. And I got to say, that's what sometimes I respond to. And Chester, you lift me up and you make me realize that that's my own problem is living my life through the lens of fear. I'm going to take this to heart and really think about the next time I'm with the kids. You know, can I scare them? Can I hurt them a little bit, but it makes them grow? Yeah, and Pat, you too. Rush into life. Get hurt yourself. You're going to get hurt no matter what. Life hurts. Rush into it and get hurt on your own terms. You ever do that one, love hurts? It's a little slow for polka. Well, you speed it up. Isn't that the whole thing? Love hurts. How does you? Love hurts. Love hurts. God, I don't know that song at all. It's from The Wedding Singer, and you love that movie. It's love hurts. Yeah. 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 I do love that movie. Oh, my God. The fact that Drew Barrymore is not married to Adam Sandler currently, I think, is one of our nation's greatest flaws. Oh, oh, my gosh. I almost forgot before we do the mantra and all that stuff. uh, We got a gift. Now, this is our second gift we've been sent. And the first one, it turns out, was from my mother. I didn't tell you that. So it's an aunt t-shirt, which I'll take a picture of and put up on the Instagram because we have tens of thousands of followers. But we got from Maggie and Andy Bax. Bax family gave us these hand towels and it says Auntie established 2020, which isn't, of course, when we became ants. It's when we started this podcast in the midst, in the depths of hell emerged the Phoenix that is this podcast and your support as an audience is greatly appreciated and we love you. And um, I guess what I can say about these gifts is, you know, keep them coming. Please feel free to send whatever you don't need. And I want to also just point out, that's going to be my good tea towel. It's only for show. Please don't use it if you come over. That's not for wiping anything on. That's for looking at. And a special shout out, Aunt Style, to Carrie and to Judith, who are uh, amazing listeners and very supportive, and we love them. And so uh, this is just just a special tip of the cap to those two amazing women who uh, are very supportive. Wishing you well, wishing we could give you a big ant hug and smother you with our bodies, but we cannot right now. And also, Judith, put some ice on your knee. Honestly. Pat, is it your turn to do a mantra? Is it my- I believe that it is. And here's this week's mantra. Ants are people too, but they're mostly ants. Now that, that mantra written, of course, as they all are, by the amazing Carol Doyle, who is... Her own entity of perfection and comedy and beauty and kindness. Thank you, Carol, as always, for that. I think it's time to go, right? Unfortunately, it is back into the abyss where I just stare off into the middle distance until another human being reaches out. If anybody's looking to hire the Polka Brothers for classic rock polka covers, uh, you can get a hold of us at polkabrothers.gov. We're running it out of the city website. Oh, Do they pay for your hosting and stuff? Well, they don't really know about it. Get on that before it disappears, folks. And uh, I just want to say, hey, I love you, Megs. I love you, Pat. Love you, Chester. I love you, Pat. Love you, Megs. Love you, Chester. All right. Thank you for listening to Those Who Ant, a Baby Makers podcast, starring Colleen Doyle as your Aunt Pat and Dana Curcioli, that's me, as your Auntie Mags. Uncle Chester was none other than Charlie McCracken, who is an improv legend and an all-around dreamboat. You can catch Charlie on AP Bio, which is streaming on Peacock as we speak. Our theme song was performed by The Cues, which features Deb Duncan, who usually does these outros and is much better at them than me. You can follow them at The Cues Music on Instagram. 
If you like this podcast, and I can't think of a single reason why you wouldn't, please like, subscribe, rate, review, all of those things, and email us at thosewhoant at gmail.com. On a personal note, Colleen and I just want to say, we love you very much. This week is going to be insane. Please take care of yourselves. Be gentle with yourselves. I hope you voted. Boy, do I hope you voted. And whether something great happens or something not so great happens in the upcoming days, we're here for you. We love you. Please stay safe, wear a mask, and for God's sakes, Call your aunts.